You're listening to locally produced programming created in KUNV Studios on public radio. KUNV 91.5. Ladies and gentlemen. I'll brainstorm this later. We'll edit it later for now. <laughs> Welcome to Leadership Lingo. My name is Matteo Portelli. Matteo Portelli. Today, we'll be hearing from a few folks and their experiences as leaders and find out the best principles and practices that make our community a better place. Welcome to Leadership Lingo. Now, he was born in Goa, India, but he might as well be Vegas-born, having grown up here in Las Vegas since he was one. He's currently a sophomore studying economics and minoring uh, with Brookings Public Policy and the Global Entrepreneurship Experience. He's the managing editor for the Scarlet and Gray Free Press, the student newspaper here on campus. He's an undergraduate consultant with the Ab- Academic Success Center's Writing Center, and he's the treasurer of the Honor Student Council. Alistair, thanks so much for being on Leadership Lingo. Thank you so much for having me. How's your day been? Hectic. Yeah, very <laughs> now, busy. we are talking to folks in the future. This is not a live show, so it's been pretty rainy today. In fact, I mean, isn't today like the first day of spring? Uh, yeah, I believe the first day of spring was yesterday. Okay. But... Okay, I'm a little tardy. <laughs> <laughs> but definitely a lot of rain, yeah. I'll tell you that. Very cool. Yeah. Well, well, I'm glad you drove safely over the waters and, and yeah. made, <laughs> made yeah. it to campus. <laughs> very cool, man. Well, I appreciate you coming on the show. I am so curious. I've known you for a while now, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll probably say that as long as I have the show, because yeah. <laughs> a lot of the guests happen to be my friends. Yeah. But but I'm always curious to learn how some of my friends uh, get involved with so many different organizations, so many diverse organizations. Obviously, we've got hundreds and hundreds of undergrad uh, organizations here on campus, but to be part of the Honors Council and then also to be a part of the student newspaper and then also to be involved with like a basically a university entity. So it's pretty pretty diverse uh, yeah. plate you've got. Yeah. How did you get involved with these different organizations? I mean, to be fair, like when I originally came to UNLV in fall of 2021, so that was my first semester here, um, I think for me, I just tried to really network as much as I could. Um, so I talked to other people. I would talk to professors um, about what's going on at the university. How can I get involved? Um, I talked a lot to my first year seminar teacher. Mm-hmm. I thought she was really she was really great, um, and she did a really good job explaining all the available resources to us. And uh, her name's Dr. Jarenik, by the way. Uh, but yeah, she was she was a really wonderful professor. Um, but I got involved a lot with even like undergraduate research as well from her class. Um, and I think that's primarily how I got involved with a lot of student organizations. My first semester, I primarily just joined as much stuff as I possibly could. And I guess I kind of just cast a very wide net. Mm-hmm. Some of the stuff I didn't really find any prolonged interest in. So mm-hmm. I kind of just, um, you know, removed it. Um, and other stuff I found a lot of value that could contribute to my career and, you know, to those around me. So I kind of just um, stuck with those. And I usually just got involved by just networking as much as I could, trying to meet as many new people as I could, um, talking to professors, and then obviously going out, signing up for different things, and I guess just seeing what I liked. So. Now, are you are you first-gen by chance, or did you have a familial background in higher education? Um, I'm a first-generation college student. Mm-hmm. Um, I think between my two parents... I think my mom went to medical school, but she went to medical school back home in India. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she didn't really go to a U.S. institution. So, mm-hmm. No, I mean, that's that's amazing. I, when I was a freshman, I mean, I... <laughs> 
You joined 2021. I joined 2020. Still the midst of the pandemic. A lot of things were still very shut down. In fact, in 21, I I don't know if we had if we were fully back on campus. I think they were still the hybrid model. Um, yeah. So my first semester, we were still in the hybrid model. So yeah. we. So I believe I had what was that? Five classes. Yeah. So each was three credits. So that's 15. About half of them were online, and the other yep. half were in person. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, new for everybody. I mean, I was in the same boat. I joined like on the involvement center. I joined like thirty different RSOs and, yeah. and saw what, what was more active. Identify what was missing. Um, the free press though came under my radar uh, when I was a freshman. I thought it was just super cool that they were student news media. In high school, I was involved uh, with with some student news media. So I'm curious to get your story on how you joined uh, the free press and then eventually rose to kind of second in command uh, yeah. <laughs> right under Vanessa. <laughs> Um, well, I got involved in the free press, probably, I would say directly involved spring of 22. Okay. But my interest in the free press was there since the very first semester here. Um, I remember, I distinctly actually remember picking up like an issue of the Scarlet and Gray because mm-hmm. I too was also profoundly interested in the Look, fact that we have a newspaper. It looked cool. <laughs> yeah. It looks great. Right. Yeah. Um, I picked it up and I, I was like, wow, like this is really cool stuff. And I like flipped open the first page and they have the whole staff there. So they have like yep. the editor in chief, who I believe at the time was Alex, Alex Wright, mm-hmm. and then managing editor, which was Vanessa Booth, and then so on and so forth yep. after that. Um, and I remember telling myself, I was like, you know what? Like, I want to be on that staff. That looks, that looks really fulfilling. Mm-hmm. And so the way that I got involved um, with the free press was in December of 21. I had um, reached out to the opinion editor at the time. Her name was Rena, Rena, Rena Brooks. And um, I asked her, I was like, hey, I'm interested in writing some opinion articles and um, how do I get started? So they gave me the whole onboarding process. So I began writing opinion articles um, sometime in January 22. My first ever opinion article was published January 27th of 2022. I remember that article pretty distinctly because I interviewed my um, my micro econ professor, um, Dr. Bibbler. Um, and I believe it was about like coronavirus concerns in regards to the supply chain. And honestly, like seeing like your work being written out mm-hmm. on that page was like super duper fulfilling. I was like, wow, like that's incredible. Mm-hmm. So I continued writing more and more articles after that. I kept it pretty consistent. Um, in February of 22, I also joined the advisory board because the Scarlet and Gray is also advised by advisory board, which consists of um, UNLV faculty, portions of staff, um, undergraduate students, and then also a couple of people from the Las Vegas Review Journal. And so I thought it was an interesting role. And so I joined and then I got in. And um, honestly, I, I thought it was a really great time, you know, networking with other people, um, kind of seeing the process in which meetings are held, seeing what happens. So we finish off that semester, and at the end, uh, Rena graduates. And so she decided that I would be the best fit to be the next opinion editor. So I um, I become the new opinion editor for fall of 22. And it was pretty, very, very interesting. It was a bit challenging at times, mm-hmm. seeing the, all the new responsibilities that I had to undertake, but um, I thought it was really fulfilling. Um, this semester was a little bit different. We had a couple of people leave our staff. Um, I think it was just a lot of inside conflict, and they decided to just depart from our staff. And so the Scarlet and Gray, for one of our issues, was pretty much on life support. We pretty much had to have 
pretty much all hands on deck, regardless if you were copy or layout or if you were a section editor or editor in chief. And so our staff was like, like if you opened up like the first page of the Scarlet Gray, it was like four four names. Wow. Um, opposed to having that long list that it used to have, including the webmaster, or uh, not including okay. the webmaster. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Most of the people who are like in social media or right, like right, webmaster, right. they they were gotcha. they were the same. Gotcha. Um, it was just that a majority of I would say portions of copy and then a few of the section editors um, ended up leaving, um, and so we were pretty much just fighting for our paper at that point. But they needed somebody to step into the role of managing editor. And, you know, honestly, like for me, like I, I usually have the self, I usually have a bad habit of sometimes um, playing myself a little short. I was like, I don't know if I can manage, I don't know if I can handle managing editor. But for me, you know, at the end of the day, it's always, I want to see the paper succeed. And I always want to see the paper in a place where it shines as a example of what good campus journalism should look like. And so with that in mind, I was like, okay, like, you know, I'll be more than happy to undertake the role and so far it's been very fulfilling you know meeting new writers talking with staff organizing things and it's it's been fulfilling from there now tell me the difference uh, let's let's get kind of technical here going back to when you started uh, as a writer what what were some of the growth uh, challenges that you encountered from writer moving to um, moving to running the opinion section and then from running a section up to managing editor what were those leaps like so, like, what were the kind of challenges? Yeah, I mean, basically, what were the, some of the differences in responsibility or maybe some stuff that was unexpected? Yeah, I would probably say, like, the difference in responsibility is just kind of going from a micro to a macro level, right? With um, with the opinion section, it was, you know, just managing the opinion writers, creating pitch notes. As long anything that has to do opinion, it's just me. Mm-hmm. But with managing... It's now all sections, including all the staff, which also incorporates things like the webmaster, social media, layout, copy. And so there's a much broader tense about what your responsibilities lie in, right? Now it's no longer concentrated to just opinion. It's now concentrated to all the operations mm-hmm. of the paper, with the exception of obviously the editor-in-chief responsibilities. Um, and I think to that extent, um, that was the most challenging part, kind of adjusting was probably my biggest challenge. If I could kind of summarize that whole transition in kind of one word, just adjustment. Now, what was difficult about that adjustment? Was it an increase in time commitment? Was it kind of expanding your responsibility into scopes that you just, like you said, you you, you were selling yourself short, but I'm sure some of that was predicated on like, hey, I kind of don't know how to do sports or I kind of don't know how to do X, Y, or Z. Yeah. What, what were the adjustments that you had to make personally? I think for the most part, it just came down to to really just time commitment, yeah. right? Because like as, as a writer, um, we would take stories, I'd say Monday, Monday, Tuesday-ish, and you'd have it in the drive by Friday midnight. That's mm. usually our deadline. And so that was that was pretty much my only commitment. I right. think, you know, just I could write the entire story in like 30 minutes. And then interviewing somebody took a little bit to coordinate, but it didn't take very long. And that was pretty much it. Just like I'd probably say, you know, at the highest amount of time was probably a day. Um, but now that adjustment period now has to incorporate a bunch of other mm-hmm. responsibilities, right? I can, it's not just, oh, I'm going to get my story in and then I can call it a day, right? There are sometimes staff who have certain problems that need to be fixed. They sometimes have certain questions that they might have about their sections, perhaps that they're new. Um, 
And I think in that sense, you know, expanding how much time I'm willing to commit to the paper and how much time I'm willing to incorporate to helping, you know, other members of staff or helping the paper progress in terms of its campus visibility um, certainly takes a lot of time. And it certainly takes a lot of commitment to try and understand how to progress with that. Well, as an avid reader, I can tell you, you guys are doing great. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so, so clearly, either you and or your team are, are, are on yeah. the on the money there. Yeah. Um, now, let, let's move away a little bit from the free press. We'll come back to it in a sec. Um, but you're also involved uh, as a treasurer, as the treasurer, for the Honor Student Council. Now, that's still managerial, still a lot of responsibility. Almost seems like a completely separate scope of responsibility. Yeah. <laughs> How do you get involved with that, and, and what do you do there kind of on a day-to-day or maybe a week-to-week? Well, the the treasurer role is more kind of on a week-to-week basis because we usually have pretty regular meetings for the HSC, so the Honor Student Council. Um, I kind of got involved in that my second semester here, so spring of 22. Um, interestingly, for, interestingly for the Student Council, the treasurer role was the only contested one. Hmm. So there was another person who was also running. Um, so I had a campaign pretty hard mm-hmm. for it. So I got to, you know, try to reach out and share the campaign. What are some of the things you did? Um, so I would reach out to friends who I knew who were seniors or who knew a lot of people who had, you know, for example, a wide campus prominence mm-hmm. were people who I thought would be really, you know, interesting to campaign. And obviously some people, you know, don't want to campaign and that's perfectly fine. I, you know, I was perfectly fine with that, but, you know, you know, out of respect for their own, it's because it's their sure. decision at the end of sure, the day, sure. right? Um, but I think for the most part, it was primarily through Instagram and social media to try and campaign. Because I knew, like, you know, I'm only, I, at the time, I was only a, a freshman. So, like, not too many people are probably aware that I exist. Um, and I think my my uh, competition was, I think, a junior going mm. into senior. So they probably know a lot more people than I do. So I had to campaign pretty hard. But, yeah, we ended up winning that by a pretty, uh, pretty wide margin. Good. Um, and that's how I got involved with that. And honestly, I think it's a really fulfilling role because um, we, we've we been able to coordinate budgets for all the HSC events. So like homecoming or like the Disney games or even for like Friendsgiving. Um, it's been really fulfilling to see how all of those efforts have really made the Honors College a more um, consolidated environment and really made it more enriching to everyone who participates in them. And um also, by the way, I forgot to mention this, but uh, I'm also currently serving on the second year Senate, which oh, is nice. facilitated underneath the Honors College right. by uh, Dr. Mary Vance. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's just composed of sophomore students who are um, dedicated to enriching the lives of second year students and instilling opportunities that can benefit them. Now, what are some of the stakeholder relations that you've done as treasurer? Because obviously, if it was the only contested race and you had to campaign, I'm certain that you spoke to quite a few folks. Um, now that you're in the office and now that you're attending meetings and helping folks, what are some of the meetings that you have? Who do you talk to? So primarily, a lot of the meetings tend to be mostly with a good combination of students and a good combination of faculty. So like, for example, like when it came to Friendsgiving, you know, we had to coordinate a lot with our supplier, so which was Honey Baked Ham. I had to coordinate a lot with some of the Honors College administrators, um, like, for example, um, Jessica, who does the finances or who has access to those finances, she has access to the P-card. Then we had to talk to um, uh, Daniel, Daniel Coyle. Um, he does a 
you know, fabulous job. And we I had to coordinate and talk a lot to him about what we wanted to do for our event and how much money we were willing to um, to invest. And talking to students has also been a really big portion of it as well. We encourage students to give us feedback about events and what can be changed. I think for the most part, I talk a lot to students about what they want to see, right? Because at the end of the day, we are kind of public servants. 100%. We're here to serve the students. Um, so we want to put on events that they'll they're gonna enjoy, right. and they're gonna find the most you know fulfillment out of and attend and attend. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's not gonna be much of an event if only like two people show right. up, right? So, I would probably say, um, you know, going over there and talking to students, be like, hey, like, are you in the honors college? And they'll be like, you know, yes or no. And I'll be like, oh, like, what kind of events do you want to see at UNLV? And you'd be surprised. There are like a wide variety of different answers. I've heard students even imply that. You know, maybe for even the spring semester, we should have a premiere style event. Hmm. And I'm not sure if that's possible through the Honors College. I don't, I'm not exactly, maybe the Rebel Events Board might cover that, but I, I, I'm very open to all those ideas. And, you know, I try to talk to as many students as I can about what they want to see, because at the end of the day, you know, it's right. their college and I feel like they should get the commitment that they put into it. Very good. And then I also understand that you're uh, involved with the uh, Academic Success Center what sort of work do you do with them? So yeah, we are a specific sub-branch of the Academic Success Center. So we are the Writing Center. Um, we're located in CDC, the Central Desert Complex, uh, building number three. I just walked by that today. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah pretty much everyone walks by yep. it. <laughs> um, but the work there is actually very, very fulfilling. Originally, I had tried to apply for it um, I'd probably say spring of 22. A lot of stuff actually happened in spring of 22, believe it or not. But um, that kind of helped me set up a foundation. But in spring of 22, I was interested in joining the Writing Center as a consultant because I felt like my background in in writing, uh, both in academic settings and obviously for you know in the sense of journalism, gave me kind of enough experience that I could teach it. Um, and so I had asked the director of the Writing Center. Her name's Erin, uh, Erin Zimmerman. Um, really fabulous person, by the way. She does a really stellar job. Um, I'd, I'd reached out to her because I had met a couple of people who were tabling for the writing center. And um, they didn't have openings at the time, but she did state that the openings would open for the fall cohort of consultants. So I was like, oh, okay, like I'll, I'll apply, see how it works. So um, I ended up applying and I got in as a consultant. And there was like the whole like onboarding thing. We had to do like a bunch of like trainings on how to handle different consultations. And uh, it was pretty tedious, but you know, at the end of the day, I'm really glad we went through all of that because it helped me prepare for the work that I do at the Writing Center. So on that note, um, at the Writing Center, we primarily focus on helping students as much as we can. Right, so we encourage students, like even if you don't have anything written down per se, like if you don't have like a whole like fully fleshed out thing written out on a piece of paper, we still encourage you to come. You know, bring your your ideas. You know, brainstorm some ideas that you want to talk about, and um, you can uh, just bring it to us, and we can talk about it, and we can you know perhaps get something down. I remember when you initially become a consultant, there's a portion where you have kind of an independent consultation, but you're going to be observed by one of the administrators. And so I remember on my second observation before I became like a full-time consultant, um, I remember a specific um, person came in and they didn't have any idea what they wanted to write. And I remember we just sat there and we drew pictures for a little bit. Hmm. 
because for me, like I always learned that visuals are really great ways to imagine your ideas. And so it was really helpful for her because we talked a little bit after the consultation and really helped her kind of bring her idea to life and understand what it is that she wanted to do exactly with her, her idea. I thought that was really fulfilling and it really helps hearing another person talk about your ideas and kind of bouncing it off of you. Um, the work at the writing center can be very exhausting in a sense, because sometimes you might have back to back to back consultations because I've had my fair, sh- fair share of a few. Um, and we help pretty much everyone. I've tutored people who are, fr- this is their first semester, they're freshmen, they got their first English paper, um, and they need help. And then we've also, I've also tutored people who are, you know, PhDs, they're writing their dissertations, right? And so we t- tend to tutor a wide variety of different people at the writing center for the in-person ones as well. We, um, now, currently, I'm not involved with something called the OWLs, which is something called our online writing lab. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's usually an asynchronous form of consultations. You don't actually meet or talk to anyone. You just send us your paper. We'll make some common suggestions and we'll send it back. Um, but I did get involved this semester with the virtual consultations in addition to doing the in-person ones as well. So the virtual ones are done through Google Meet. And so these are usually between 3 and 7 p.m. Um, and so in this one, I've usually tutored anywhere between um, any, anyone between freshman students all the way up to faculty and administrators. Um, there have been admin who have come to us with their papers and, you know, I've sat them down and they're pretty complex papers, but at the end of the day, we want to make sure we understand clarity, organization, structure. Um, in writing center training, we actually learned a lot about these things called concerns. So there's high order concerns and low order concerns. Um, so high order concerns would be like organization, structure, clarity, and low order concerns would be like punctuation or grammar. Um, and so that's a lot what our work at the writing center entails, um, this is unrelated, but I do also work the front desk at the writing center as well. <laughs> so I've kind of become a little bit of a jack of all trades. Very good. At the well, <laughs> you know, now now our listeners know if they need help, they can just literally see you. And yeah, <laughs> you'll, you'll help get them scheduled. Yeah. Do they schedule online? Can they do it at the desk? So you can do it in a wide variety of ways. Okay. Um, while working the front desk, we'll sometimes get calls, and somebody will be like, "I need to make an appointment." And we're like, "Yeah, sure." And we usually have the the computer there open so we can book appointments. So you can do it that way. You can go on the Writing Center website, just type in UNLV Writing Center, um, and it'll be there with all the contact information, along with all the time schedules for the owls, the virtuals, and the in persons. Um, you can also visit the Writing Center. Like I said, it's in the Central Desert Complex, Building Number Three. It's like an orangish building mm-hmm. by the grass. Um, you can come in and be like, hey, I need to schedule an appointment, and we'll do it right there. Um, or you can make one um, through Campus Connect. So if you go to My UNLV, you go to the Resources tile, you click Campus Connect, and it should automatically log you in. You just schedule a um, writing consultation through there. Now, punctuation may be a lower order concern, but do you guys advise on using the Serial or Oxford comma or no? Well, that's usually a very... This is going to determine the nature of our friendship, by the way. <laughs> okay, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. We So we usually put a good deal of emphasis on the Oxford comma. Thank God. Because that's... Usually... <laughs> I'm very pro-serial comma. Okay. Um, okay. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> um, but we usually do that as kind of an emphasis, because that's how it is in a lot of formal texts. Sure, sure, sure. So that's usually the way that we have it. But I usually like to see the serial comma people. <laughs> I, I, I do see that their points are very valid. 
Yeah, well, you know, we're just cooler. Uh, so I, I'm curious. You've got such a diversity of experience, especially for being a sophomore. Um, it's obvious to me that you've encountered folks who have been mentors. Otherwise, I'd, I'd be shocked if you didn't have mentors. And, of course, you've, you've named some of them for us. Um, so you've already seen good examples of leadership. I'm confident that you've seen poor examples of leadership in working with both peers and supervisors. What are some guiding principles that you've adopted in your capacity, not just as managing editor of the Free Press, although, of course, that's a pretty huge role that you have, but what are some just golden rules or silver rules that you've seen that have assisted you in helping the folks beneath you and, and folks that you work with? I would probably say establish a sense of community. Um it's very easy for people who are in leadership roles, and I've seen this time and time again, it's very easy for people in leadership roles to put themselves on a bit of a pedestal and say, okay, I'm up here, you're down there, you're going to do exactly what I say. And to some extent that could be effective, but for the most part, it does a very, very poor job of establishing a team, right? As a team, we are designed to win together and we are also designed to struggle together. My kind of dogma when it comes to leadership or what you know you describe as a golden rule is you should win with your team and you should suffer alongside them as well. You know, for me, I'm always a bit of a history nut. So, you know, one I think one of the the most prominent leaders I've studied has always been Alexander the Great. And, you know, I, I really like his speech that he gave of, I think it was called the Opus Mutiny, which he talked about how all the soldiers were complaining that they wanted to go home or they were tired or they had all these battle scars. But Alexander in his speech essentially said, I've essentially paid off all your debts. I never asked you what you did. I've suffered alongside you. I've had as many scars as you do. I'm as tired as you are. And I want to go home as much as you do, but I'm still here, right? And so he's suffering alongside his team. And that golden rule is really what drives my portion of leadership, especially for things like competitions, which if you want, I can also talk about that as well. Um, but my kind of dogma with leadership is if you want to be a good leader, you need to to work alongside them. Don't work above them. Don't work below them. You work shoulder to shoulder, right? A good coach doesn't tell his team to run a lap around the track. Um, a good coach runs the lap with his team. And so that's kind of the golden rule when it comes to, to leadership. And, you know, for me, like, there have been a couple of mentors here at UNLV who have always kind of stood as a kind of a figure of what I think good leadership, but also good character, um, good character embodies. I think a few of them. So I think my main, you know, kind of role models were a few of my professors as well. So I think like a few of them were Dr. Ian McDonough. He was my honors 125 data analysis teacher. And he also ended up becoming my, um, advisor for one of the research projects I did with the Office of Undergraduate Research in freshman year. He's also currently our faculty advisor for the President's Innovation Challenge team. Mm -hmm. um, and then also Doc, uh, Daniel Siciliano. He was my accounting 202 professor, and uh, he's always been a really great person to talk to. I can always go to him if I have questions or if I'm confused about future career plans or if I'm I have no idea what I want to do in the certain aspect. Even though he's accounting and I'm economics, we uh, he does give me some really, really solid advice, and I'm always very thankful for him. Um, I would also probably say uh, Dr. Michaela Lavender. She was my macroecon professor, um, and she is also 
she's also a researcher in the same field of research that I would like to go into, which is health economics. And I think talking to Dr. Lavender a lot helped me put into perspective what my orientation as an economist is, right? Because I feel like she's the only person to some extent who's studied health economics, as far as I know at UNLV. I could be wrong about that, but... Um, you know, talking to her has really put into perspective, you know, what economics entails, what are the aspects that contribute to it, um, what makes up economic research, and kind of the broad perspective of what factors contribute to good economic policy. Um, and so I think for the most part, those were a lot of my primary mentors through all through freshman year and even up until now who have always been kind of a guiding light for me um, throughout, you know, all of all of freshman year and all of sophomore year, they've always been always ready to help me at a, at every turn. And so, those were kind of my mentors. And I think one of my only few, I would say, student mentors would most likely be our editor in chief of the paper, uh, Vanessa Booth. Um, she's been a really great friend to me. She's always, you know, helped me out when you know when things got a little difficult, but. Yeah, she's always been a really close ally, a good friend, and you know, she's always given me some pretty, pretty nice tips on <laughs> how to get around. I'm so. trying to get her on the show, so we'll <laughs> see if we can put something together. Yeah. Alistair, as we wrap up, I'm just curious if I could get your uh, advice. Let's imagine that there's a freshman here, not unlike you or I a few years ago. Yeah. Uh, if, th if there's a freshman here interested in getting involved, whether it's with the free press, obviously they can just contact you, or mm -hmm. you know, if if whatever they want to do, what advice would you give them as they start to develop professionally and look for experiences uh, like you've had? I would say don't be afraid to branch out. You know, like don't be afraid to take some risks. And that would probably be my best piece of solid advice. Alistair, I appreciate always talking to you, but I appreciate uh, the wisdom that you've given us today. And uh, just hope you have a great day, man. Thank you so much. We'll get you back on. Yeah. I, I can tell that you got more to share. <laughs> <laughs> Might have to have a part two. <laughs> 100%. All right. Thanks so much. All right. Thank you. If you want to find out more information about the folks we interviewed here today or just learn more, you're more than welcome to follow us at Facebook, Twitter, or LinkedIn at Leadership Lingo. You can also shoot me an email at Mateo at LeadershipLingo.show. That's M-A-T-E-O at LeadershipLingo.S-H-O-W. We'll catch you next time. Stay safe. Stay hydrated. Have a great day.